your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Um, first of all, everyone, happy Thanksgiving. Well, happy late Thanksgiving, I should say. I'm very thankful that you guys uh, continue to tune into episodes for this podcast, or if this is your first one, um, welcome. It has been a wild ride, you know, almost, what is it, getting closer now to a season and a half of doing this. Um, I know I've been a little slacking off on episodes lately. There's just been nothing to talk about, but you know we are going to try and get more content coming, some more guests coming, hopefully in the next week or two to talk about this team. I mean, we're basically into the um, the August of the normal NHL offseason right now, just because there is no action, there's no movement with players, no one wants to sign any contracts. I mean, Mike Hoffman is still out there. I think Mikhail Granlund is still out there. There's a whole bunch of free agents that have not signed just because teams are scared about what's going to happen with the cap. But um, for today's show, I mean, we have a couple listener questions that I um, asked out on the official Twitter account. There's also some news that King Clarkie sent me yesterday that um, basically involved a prospect. Um, his last name is um, Kravs- Kravstov, I think is his name. Um, I think he's one of the best prospects in the league. Vitaly Kravstov uh, is his full name. So um, there's been a rumor, I think, that he might be getting traded to Pittsburgh soon, basically in an article. I think someone said, I heard that an exchange is possible, even though the, the name of your new club, Pittsburgh, flashed. He, and he said, I can't say anything about it. So that leads me to believe that something may be coming down the pipe here with that. Thank you to King Clarky for sending me that. We will get to that um, in a bit. But, you know, I'll also talk about, you know, I was, I was watching some highlights of the uh, 2013 team for the Penguins over these last couple of days, just because I've, I've been getting bored. I'm just, I've just, I, there's no hockey. There's not going to be hockey for at least another month, probably at least another couple months. So I've just been going on YouTube, looking up old Penguins clips, old Penguins highlights. Um, also speaking of that on this day in Penguins history, we'll get to this later in the show too. Uh, this is the one year anniversary of that crazy um, eight to six win over the Vancouver Canucks at that six, three comeback with basically less than 14 minutes remaining. In the third period, I mean, it's pretty crazy how the Penguins were able to win that game. Um, we'll talk about that on this podcast. I know we talked about the game as one of my games of the year um, a few weeks ago, but, you know, I figured we would talk about it again today. And then also we'll look at Kasperi Kapanen's season review with Toronto and see, you know, just, you know, is there room for improvement for him? You know, what I think he's going to be for this team next year and all that. So I think that will basically cover today's show. So I guess we'll just start with, the just me watching the 2013 team um you know I, I just went on youtube you know i was watching some old stuff with the senators and the islanders series i mean the islanders obviously gave them a much bigger fight than the senators did i mean mark andre fleury was just utterly terrible during that series barfing all, barfing all over himself like it was nothing thank god for tomas vokun i mean it, i think a lot of penguins fans some well i shouldn't say they forget that he was there but i, I think they underappreciate his value that he brought to the team just because like he was that steady veteran presence that the team needed for him and you know he was a starter in this league for many years he was getting older he was fine to be like a 1b or just a regular backup and when he came in it was just lights out from there i mean he stoned the islanders in those two games after game four where flurry melted down when i think that was when the islanders tied the series i think it was a six to four 
<clears throat> excuse me, a six to four final, and that was when Travis Hamnick fought Evgeny Malkin. There were, I remember I was watching those highlights back this past week. I remember absolutely hating Travis Hamnick. I still kind of have a little bit of animosity towards him to this day, but I remember, you know, 15, 16 year old Hunter at that time was just throwing around some words that I am not allowed to say. And, you know, I, if I did, you know, I'd probably just, I'd get off the air just because, you know, I was, I was a stupid kid and I was just saying a bunch of crap just because I thought it was cool at the time. But yeah, I mean, he was just a total, honestly, just a total douche in that series, I think is the way to describe it. He was really getting Malkin off of his game quite a bit, you know, some of the hits that he put on him, some of the hits that he put on other Penguin players. And, you know, Gino was pretty rattled, you know, he, he fought him, I think in that series a little bit. Then I think it was in 2015, 16, they actually squared off and dropped the gloves and I think no one really won that fight. It was like a two-second scrap, I think. And they basically just, like, they barely even threw any punches. But, you know, it was nice to see Gino stand up for himself there, though I hate when Gino takes himself off the ice for five minutes for someone of Hammonick's caliber who's just, I mean, he's nowhere near what Gino brings to the lineup. So having him miss five minutes in Hammonick, that's just, that that's an advantage for the Islanders or honestly any team um, 110% of the time. That's why I'm just... Uh, a huge proponent of just getting fighting out of hockey. I mean, it mostly already is out of this war. I mean, I think that the fighting numbers, they obviously drop every single season. They've been dropping for the last, like, what, four to five years, something like that. You know, there's still some people out there, I call them the old heads of the dinosaurs that like fighting in the sport. I think you people are nuts. I think if you like fighting, then you just like people mashing their heads together and just giving people concussions because, you know, there's a big concussion lawsuit that's going to come against the league pretty soon. I mean, I've seen what happened to Chris Pronger. I've seen what happened to Mark Savard, countless other players. I really don't need to see, you know, I mean, we saw what happened to Sidney Crosby, though I know that wasn't a fight, you know, it was a dirty hit, but, you know, I just, I don't need to see players get concussions from fights. I think it's really stupid. But, you know, the main point that I'm getting here is just how in the hell did the Penguins not win the Stanley Cup that year? That That's just the crazy thing about it to me. Just, you know, after that Islander series, you know, they blitzed them in game five, and then in game six, they kept coming back after the Islanders were, you know, kind of punching them in the third a little bit. And then, of course, Brooks Horbeck was the hero of all heroes to send them against Ottawa. I mean, they were just killing Ottawa game after game after game. And, and I know Boston obviously was easily the best team they had faced, but it was just so weird to see how they unraveled against that team. They just like, Boston was just bullying them all over the ice, just on the puck, off the puck. It was really just embarrassing, I think is the word to use, just because of how dominant they were against Ottawa and everyone's flying high. 2013 Eastern Conference Final. Oh yeah, guys, the Penguins are going back to the final. They're going to finally meet Chicago in the final and get the matchup that the league has probably wanted ever since Kane, Taves, and Sid and Gino get into the league. And honestly, everyone, that was a matchup that I really, really wanted to see. You know, I don't think we're ever going to get that again just because the Blackhawks are going through a rebuild right now. I don't know if the Penguins are ever going to get back to the Stanley Cup Final, though it's my hope that they will. But, you know, that's, I think, the one thing that, you know, not just the fan bases of Pittsburgh and Chicago missed out on, but I think the whole hockey world in general missed out on, you know, seeing a, a prime Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane going up against a prime Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, you know, Chris Letang, Duncan Keith, you know, Corey Crawford, Marc-Andre Fleury when he was playing, or Matt Murray, you know, that just would have been awesome. You know, that just would have been one of, one of the, I think, the best Stanley Cup finals we've ever seen. I really do believe that. And it sucks that Boston had to sleep them out. I know I've told this story on the podcast before. I had tickets to go to Game 5 in that series. Um, I was it's safe to say I was pretty pretty upset when uh, Boston swept them in that fourth game, though. Those last two games, though, were just so close. You know, that overtime um, goal. I'll never forget that uh, Yager, I think, hooked Malkin right before it. Should have called a penalty there. Then, you know, they go the other way. And I think Bergeron scores the overtime goal. 
uh, two to one. And I'll never re- I forget also in that series the two goal scorers were Brandon Sutter and Chris Kunitz. Sutter scored when it was three nothing in game two, and then I remember Chris Kunitz tied the game in game three. They never scored in game four or game one. I just you know I always have a lot of animosity towards Tuka Rask, but you know just to see how they dominated in that series, just watching the highlights. You know Brendan Morrow. I'll still never get over how Jerome McGinley was on the left wing when he should have been on the right wing. That is one of Dan Bowles' worst blunders as Penguin coach. That, that honestly should he should have been fired for that. I mean I. I hated how he was still there for another year just because, you know, they had two of the most embarrassing exits um, in Penguins history um, against the Flyers and the Bruins and Ratio for some reason decided to die on the hill of Dan Bosma. But, you know, like I said, he should have been fired right after that. Like, that was embarrassing. How can you go Jerome McGinley on the, on the left wing, Evgeny Malkin as your center, which, I mean, that's fine, but then James Neal as your right wing? It just, it just makes no sense. Um, it was cool to see some awesome James Neal highlights. I mean, I think we forget, guys, you know, going back and watching those teams. When James Neal was not being a total dumbass, I mean, he was one of the best goal scorers in the league. Remember, he was a 40-goal scorer. He was also a 30-goal scorer for this team, I think, another season. I mean, he was one of the best left-wingers that Gino has ever had. You know, he, he really loved playing with Neal. You know, the, the friendship that they had off the ice, it looks like, was awesome. It just, you know... Enough was enough after a while, I think, was the big thing with Neil. You know, he like in, in that Flyers series, just running around like a freaking German Shepherd puppy on steroids. You know, and I know that firsthand just because my girlfriend has an eight-month-old German Shepherd, and she's just nuts almost every time of the day. So, you know, that that literally was what James Neal was in that series. They said it was literally on steroids just because he was just running around. Remember that hit on Sean Couturier, that hit on Claude Giroux. Then, you know, in the 2013 series, you know, he was kind of lining up some people too. You know, enough was enough after a while, and I'm glad that um, Jim Rutherford decided to ship him out for Patrick Hornquist or, you know, they don't win those two Stanley Cups without him. But, you know, there was just all the talent in the world on that team. I, I, I think that was the best Penguins team in the Dan Bilesma era that did not win the Stanley Cup. I mean, I, I like that 2011-2012 team. It was a deep team, but, you know, their defense was kind of eh. I much prefer the 2012-2013 team, especially with the forward depth. There really were not a lot of black holes on that forward depth, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I think the fourth line especially, I mean, Brandon Sutter was okay on the third line at that season, but... I mean, Craig Adams wasn't too terrible yet. I think Joe Vitale was still there. I mean, oh yeah, Tanner Glass was still there too. He stunk though all the time. So I really should, I really should, honestly should take that back. He stunk. But Vitale and Adams weren't as bad that season as they were, you know, the following season. That was when it was like, okay, we got to cut bait with those guys, those guys, because they were terrible. But you know, there's also no Douglas Murray on that team. I mean, I remember. I think Mark Eaton was actually on the Penguins during the 2012-2013 series. You know, I'm just an old friend right there. And then, of course, you know, Sergei Gonchar was on Ottawa. It's, it's hard to believe that. But overall, you know, it just it stunk that that team couldn't go all the way. You know, I really thought they were going to go all the way. I remember reading um, ESPN in the class, looking at all like the previews and the predictions. I think this was when I was a freshman in high school. Penguins in five, Penguins in six, Penguins in seven against Boston, Penguins in five. Someone, I think someone, Penguins in four, which was ridiculous. And then, of course, the opposite happens, and then you get ratioed by everyone one with the Bruins sweeping them. So yeah, I just, you know, I just wanted to watch some old highlights and wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I think that team is uh, pretty forgotten in Penguins history. And for obvious reasons, they got swept, but that was still a very talented team and a team that should have went all the way. But before we do get to our next segment, it is time to talk about Bilko and there is a new special offer. So if you guys are dreaming of a 
white Christmas, you have uh, come to the right place. You know, introducing the all-new white chocolate bar while supplies last. It's a white chocolate cookies and cream, 130 calories, excuse me, not 100, 17 grams of protein, 5 grams of sugar. We also have the white chocolate salted caramel, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar. There's a couple promos. You can get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased. That's 7 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, 150 calories. You can get 25% off all the products all weekend long. There's an offer. You can go to BuiltBar.com and you get 20% off for Black Friday. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code to get an extra percent off. And then for Cyber Monday, you know, we have the white chocolate continues while surprise last, the white chocolate cherry sundae, the white chocolate coconut deluxe, candy cane brownie. You also can get a free advent calendar with every purchase. You can go to BuiltBar.com and get 25% off for that. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code to get an extra percent off as well. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hody. So for this segment, um, I, I wanted to touch on um, this um, this Vitaly Kravstov rumors. Um, King Clarky sent this to me, so thank you very much, Clark. Um, basically, there's it was a, an article from David Shapiro of Blue Seat Blogs, who, of course, writes for the Rangers. You know, of course, the, the Kravstov is a Rangers prospect. But there was an interview, basically... Um, I think someone asked him, Rangers reported that you are not going to be called to training camp. How did you feel about that? He says, it's okay because I knew about it for a long time, the club, and I had agreement that I would spend the whole season, and I'm not even going to pronounce this, uh, Chelyabinsk, it's somewhere in Russia. Um, And then it it came up that there might be a trade becoming even the name of your new club, Pittsburgh Flash, and he said, I can't say anything about that. So it's pretty cryptic there. I mean, even as Clark sent to me, I mean, why are the Penguins out there trading for one of the best prospects in hockey and the Rangers are actually willing to do it in division? I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, I get it from the Penguins' perspective. If you want to try and restock the system, that would be awesome. I mean, I was looking up some of his numbers. I mean, they're not like super impressive, but this guy is still really, really young. He's 20 years old, for God's sakes. He's played in the KHL for most of his career, played in 50 games in 2018-19, 8 goals, 21 points, 50 games. I mean, played for the Hartford Wolfpack, which is the AHL team for the Rangers, had 6 goals, 15 points in uh, 39 games. And then this past season, he also played in the KHL, 23 games, had 8 goals and uh, 12 points, 23 games. I think that, has the KHL already started? I don't know. It, it might have. But if that if that, is, I think if that has already started, I mean, he has 12 points in 23 games. I mean, that's pretty freaking good so far. And he's going up against some pretty decent players out there. So I can only imagine what he would do on the NHL's ice. I mean, he's like I said, he's only 20 years old. Um, he played for the World Junior Championships for Russia last year, had two goals, six points, seven games. So basically averaged a point per game. It would really not make any sense if the Rangers were to actually trade him to the Penguins. I mean, maybe they can trade him like into the Western Conference or something like that. But to Pittsburgh, I mean, that would be pretty weird. I mean, he would easily be, what, their first or second best prospect, forward prospect in the system. I would say, you know, right up there with Sam Poole and Nathan Laguerre, basically. I mean, he he's probably NHL-ready at this point anyway, so the Penguins have injuries. They could just slide him into the lineup. But it was interesting you just to see his response. You know, I can't talk about that. Basically, like, a no comment. Like, does he know something about maybe being traded to Pittsburgh, or is he just being coy with, like, oh, well, no, I just actually don't know anything about that. So that's interesting to me. I thought I would bring that up for um, this episode just because King Clark, he sent it to me um, a couple days ago. So Clark, shout out to you, buddy. I love you. And I did want to say, you guys, that was not, um, I made the mistake. It is not for Biltco in that last ad read. It was Bilt Bar because, you know, it's Friday night that I'm recording this. I'm just ready for the weekend and I am just pretty damn stupid. So that is a Black Friday, Cyber Monday deal for Bilt Bar with a few new flavors. But to get to our next point, it's time to do the... Kasperi Kapanen season review for the Toronto Maple Leafs and what 
I think he's going to happen with him for this season with the Penguins. It was a very interesting season for him. You know, if you look at natural stat trick, you know, played in all 69 games, very nice number, 850 minutes at 5v5. Um, his overall numbers, though, if you look at hockey reference, you know, 13 goals, 36 points in the 69 games, you know, far cry from his 20 goal, 44 point season in 78 games um, from the previous season. Of course, that's the 2018 19 season, but you know, you keep looking, you know, at his on ice impacts. I mean, his possession was 51%. That's the second, 51.6%. That's the second highest of his career when he was 52.9 the season before that. I mean, goals for, goals against 34 to 40, but I mean, the Maple Leafs are just not a good defensive team. So I don't really look at that that highly. I mean, his goals for percentage was 45.9%. That number dipped far below, you know, his season before that with 52, 54.2%. His expected goals for expected goals against 31 to 34 expected goals percentage 47.9%. That's the second lowest of his career scoring chances for scoring chances against 399 to 391 high danger. He was negative 155 to 164. So if you're noticing a theme here, you want to get Kasperi Kapanen back to the way that he played during the 2018-19 season with Toronto where I mean it was obviously his best season he put up 44 points his only his only 20 goal season he was a positive possession player I mean his high danger chances were much higher that season 229 for 202 against I mean his high danger uh, possession was 53% um high danger goals for 22 to 20 this past season again 38 to 25 in 2018-19 so like I said you've seen the pattern here you want him to get back to that level that he displayed a season before but the big question is can he do that I mean he's 24 he's still in the peak years he is going to be playing with Sidney Crosby but you know if he couldn't do this with John Tavares and no Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander what makes me think that he's going to do this with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and don't get me wrong like obviously Sidney Crosby is a better player than all those players on the Leafs that I mentioned though they are still elite players like let's let's get that straight but you know I just I am skeptical that he can maybe get back to that you know 20 goal 45 point season that he basically had in 2018-19 I mean I'm kind of expecting him to be around a 40 point player. I just don't know if he's going to be 40, a 45 to 50 point player. It would, it would be, I think a welcome surprise if he hits maybe 25 goals next season and around 50 points. I mean, I, I would not see that coming at all, especially after with this season, he just had, you know, the big thing about him is that he does get pucks to the net pretty well. He's very fast. I mean, this guy's one of the fastest skaters, I think in the league, he just blows pie defenders. Like it's nothing. And I think the Penguins have been lacking that kind of player like that in recent years. They just, you know, they looked old and slow against the Islanders in 2018-19. And then this year, you know, just looked like really no one wanted to play. I mean, they also looked kind of slow this in the playoffs against Montreal too in that four-game sample size. But it also looked like that the Penguins just did not want to be there. So, you know, I'm really hoping that he does get back to that level he displayed in 2018-19. Again, I know I'm saying that for like the fourth or the fifth time. But that's like that's really the big thing here with Captain to make that trade worth it because they did give up a top 15 pick to get him. They gave up a pretty good prospect in Philip Hollander, who I think is going to make the Maple Leafs at some point. The rest of the stuff, you know, Evan Rodriguez, which they got back, and then some of the other players that went over, I don't really care about. You know, it's it's the cost to acquire is the big one. You know, is he going to live up to that? That's the big question. I'm still a bit skeptical of it. You know, when Jim Rutherford sees his guy, as he likes to say, he likes to go out and get him. But, you know, I just, I don't know if he can live up to that, you know, just being shipped for a first round pick. I just don't see it right now. But, you know, if I'm proven wrong, I'll happily eat crow. I'm going to root for him. You know, this isn't like a 
Jack Johnson situation where, you know, he's not going to be as bad as him or God forbid or anything like that. You know, this kid is a really talented hockey player. So I'm excited to see, you know, how they start him with Sid and Gensel at the start of the season. But you know, guys, my prediction right now, I'm going to go 20 goals, 20 assists for Cap in the next season, 40 points total. If he hits 50, if he somehow hits 55 to 60, which is, well, that would be a miracle. Um, I will eat all the crow in the world. So those are my thoughts on Captain and how he can basically rebound this season. And I do think he is going to get a lot of power play time too. Uh, I think they're probably going to start him on the second power play because they're going to put maybe someone like Rust on the top power play. But, you know, if someone like Rust struggles, I could see Captain going to the top power play. But, you know, and also if he struggles with Sid, you know, he can maybe move, move down the lineup and be a good fit. Uh, as Jared McCann's third line winger, because, you know, I think McCann could really use a winger like that on his line. I think that would be great for him and honestly great for Kapanen as well. But coming up in our next segment, we have a couple uh, listener mailbag questions to answer. Plus, you know, talking about this day in Penguins history from last year, you know, with that crazy 8-6 to game against Vancouver. So stay tuned for that for just a few more minutes. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins in case you guys, you know, somehow forgot. I mean, so there's a question here that from Alan T. Yoder who has asked plenty of questions on this podcast before in the mailbags, and I very much appreciate him for doing that. Basically said, you know, other than Yager, who are the next jerseys to be retired? Um, that's a good question, Alan. I mean, obviously, you know, the big ones, Sid and Gino are getting retired probably right after they stop playing, you know, within a year or something like that. But, you know, other than then, them, I should say, uh, Chris Letang is going to have his jersey up there at some point. I mean, he's the best defenseman in franchise history. That's not Paul Coffey. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say Marc-Andre Fleury. I, I understand why they would do it. I personally would not retire Marc-Andre Fleury's jersey. You know, I know that's going to be a hot take for some people, but, you know, I mean, I, I know he was just the, the franchise icon, greatest goaltender in Penguins history probably, but I just, just with his inconsistent level of play, I just don't think I would do it. Sorry, guys. I, I don't mean to sound like a flurry hater or something like that. I'm just trying to be objective or just as objective as I can. I would not retire Marc-Andre Fleury's jersey. Um, Kevin Stevens, maybe. I don't think, I don't know if they're going to retire Kevin Stevens' jersey. Probably not, I would think. Well, maybe. I, I can see that as a maybe. And, you know, in case some of you guys forgot, forget, I mean, this is a Penguins organization that does not retire numbers um, very often. I mean, there are only two players up there in the rafters right now. It is Mario Lemieux and it is Michelle Breer, who, of course, you know, was their best player in franchise history to start, of course. I mean, not obviously right now, but, you know, when the franchise started, he was their best player. And, you know, it's Totally fine that his jersey's up there just because of how great he was when the Penguins were just terrible. But, you know, Yager, I mean, Ron Francis, I think, is going to have his jersey up there. I mean, he played seven years there. I mean, he was, I think, for a time, fourth place all time on the Penguins' leaders for assists in a season. Obviously, I mean, Sid and Gino passed him, and Yarmir Yarger had um, 640. But, you know, Ron Francis is still five all time. He deserves to have his jersey retired. Um, I do think Paul Coffey is going to have his jersey retired too. I mean, I think that's going to come at some point. I, I know he wasn't here, you know, for a long time either. He was only here for just a few seasons, but I mean, had an 83 point season for them in 88, 89. And then, you know, the couple years that the year they went to the final, he had 93 points in 76 games. I mean, he's their best defenseman in franchise history that has played for the team. He deserves to have his jersey retired. Like I said, Ron Francis too. Yager, we already know that, as you said, Allen. Sid, Gino, Tanger, those are just obvious answers. I mean, 
people will say Jean Provost. I, I could see that. I really could see Jean Provost getting having his jersey retired, you know, just, just because how good he was from the 60s until the 70s. Um, Sal Apps, I, I could see that as well. I mean, you, you look at the franchise leaders, you know, even for assists, I mean, this guy's seventh all time with 349. I mean, that's that, that's a lead company. I mean, that's over Paul Coffey and Kevin Stevens, which is pretty crazy to me. So I definitely think he'll be potentially retired at some point. You know, they have a lot of jerseys that they'll get to at some point, but this is a franchise that is just very selective in the numbers and the jerseys that they retire. But I do think the ones that I mentioned are the ones that will be retired at some point, I guess is my way of describing it. And, you know, to, to finish off this episode, you know, with this day in Penguins history, you know, with that game against Vancouver, you know, that, that game was just legendary, you know, just going down six to three, they went up to nothing early on in the game. Vancouver comes back. Matt Murray has one of his worst performances of the season. I think he was yanked going into the third period. Tristan Jari comes in, plays pretty damn good, gives them a chance to come back. You know, they get that goal six to four, I think from Gino. Then I think Aston Reese tied the game. Actually, I think Gino actually made it six to five as well, if I'm not mistaken. Then Aston Reese, um, tied the game at 6-6, and then I think it was Latang with the game winner 7-6 uh, with about less than four minutes remaining, I think, and that was when Thatcher Demko was in the net. That was one of his worst outings of the season. And then, you know, he goes out in the playoffs and almost beats the Vegas Golden Knights, who are an absolute juggernaut. So that just goes to show how goaltending is so voodoo for this league. But I am just a sucker for high-scoring games. I mean, it's not often you see a 14-goal um, game combined between the two teams in this league. I mean, you, you know, you see a bunch of six, five games at times, you know, but a lot of five fours, a lot of four threes, but it's not often you see an eight to six game even as scoring has gone up in recent years. But you know, that game was just awesome from start to finish. That, that's the kind of hockey that I love to watch. And, you know, I know we're all hockey starving right now. You know, I, I think Pat from a uh, KDKA cinnamon for wet, who does the uh, dying alive podcast from the athletic with Mike Darnay and Jesse Marshall basically said earlier, you know, I totally forgot that the Capitals uh, hired Peter Laviolette. And it's like, wow, you know, I, I kind of forgot that too. <laughs> to be honest with you, it seems like a lifetime ago. No, I also kind of forgot that Jack Johnson went to the Rangers. It's just, it is, it feels like a lifetime ago that the Stanley Cup was rewarded. You know, hopefully we get something sorted out at some point. There's been really no updates about this season, but, you know, they got to be coming to a, a deal soon if they want to do January 1st. We have December coming up in what, like four days now? I mean, you have almost 30 days um, if you want to start the season on January 1st. So they got to do something pretty quick. And, you know, we'll see if they're able to do that. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I really appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. There will be no Steeler game this weekend, sadly, because the Baltimore Ravens um, don't know how to handle COVID-19. Well, you know, this is I think this is also just going to keep happening around the league just because, you know, it's flu season and all that. And it's just the pandemic is getting worse. But hope you all are staying safe. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and hopefully we'll get hockey back here at some point. But thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you all next week.